0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Talk to you about treasure hunters. Treasure hunters. You ever been on a treasure hunt? You ever done that? They do some things. It's almost a professional deal. Well, They have... You can pay like 25 bucks, and there's like 100 of you. And they have, uh, you know, obviously they're going to make money on it, but they have like $1,000 for whoever finds the treasure, and they give you these clues and stuff, and you find you've seen one of the. I've never done it. I've read about them. Yeah. Yeah. Treasure hunt. A lot of it's. You know, I, I've done treasure hunts, and I've had a particular one, but done them in the past just with different youth groups and different things. But it's a lot of fun because you you know you you take clues and then you try to figure things out and th- those type of things. So you know you know <clears throat> the fun part is finally somebody finds the treasure. You know you want to be the one that finds it, but somebody finds the treasure, and so it's just fun that somebody finds it and that kind of stuff. So we're let's look at Proverbs chapter two. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine hear heart to understanding; yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift, liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as uh, for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the ways of his saints. So in verses two and three, you know, it talks about crying after knowledge and verse four says that if you'll seek her as silver and searches uh, for her as for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. You know, uh, I think a lot of people in the fear of the Lord we understand is their respect and that not not being afraid. But I think a lot of people miss out on discovering what the real fear of the Lord is because they don't seek it. They don't you know, they they don't seek after it and find it in word. And so let's just talk about being treasure hunters. Uh the final if in Proverbs two kind of describes the lifestyle and wisdom that'll happen for you if you go after knowledge of of God. If if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, speaking of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Ephesians one, seventeen through eighteen says this that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's a spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes uh, of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What Paul is doing here, he's he's exhorting all of us as the followers of Jesus Christ to actually be treasure hunters. So there's treasure, we know this, there's treasure in the Word of God, but there's a treasure in the hunt itself, in the actual hunt itself. Uh, Pursuers of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Revelation is seeing your des- desire uh goal. That's the revelation is you have here's your goal. This is the desired goal. Wisdom is choosing the best way to obtain that goal. Does that make sense? So, revelation is you you find the goal and then wisdom of it is okay, this is how I'm going to get there. Wisdom is choosing the best way to obtain that goal. The spirit of wisdom is important here in Proverbs chapter 2 because it's the reality of how we're supposed to be living uh, It's actually if, if you look it's the breath of life as a Christian, finding the reality of wisdom and the reality of revelation like a treasure hunt we'll, we'll get let's we'll talk about it a little bit more. The prayer of Moses in Psalm 90 and 12 is this. did you know Moses wrote Psalm 90? Yeah, it was his prayer. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our or look you know let's look at our lives and realize our days that we may be apply our hearts into wisdom. The Hebrew word for apply here means to abide. It means to live in. So teach us to that we you know to be to number our days that we may live in our hearts unto wisdom. So there's a difference in understanding what wisdom is and living in wisdom. You, you ever seen those people that you think they, they make a decision and they do something, you think, man, where in the world did they come up with that? Why would they to make that choice? They're, they're not living in wisdom. See, that one of the things God wants us to do is not just understand the wisdom of God, but to live in it. Therein is in as part of the treasure because when you live in the wisdom of God, the decisions you make— the, the things you say and do, your lifestyle is all different and it all changes. That's why there are some people that are successful. They've learned to live in the wisdom of God. They're successful. I'm talking about people who aren't even Christians. They understand the wisdom of God, and they learn how to live in it. Because there are wisdoms all throughout Scripture that if you apply to your life, you don't have to be a Christian to apply them, and they work. You just apply them, and they work. You live in them, and they work. What Tithing. Tithing is a wisdom from God. It's showing God, hey, I trust you. Uh, There used to be a company a long time ago. It was uh, Foley's. He was a Jewish guy. He didn't practice Judaism, but he knew that if he tithed his money, that God would bless him, even though he didn't practice Judaism. And so he tithed and tithed and tithed and tithed. And Foley's became this huge department store. Foley's went under. You know why Foley's went under? he stopped tithing. He wrote the book. He said, when I stopped tithing, the company went under. He understood that there was a principle in that, and that principle was a wisdom from God. Uh, having a hunger for the Word and meditating on the Word has to be accompanied by wisdom. It's great to know the Word. It's, you know, i know people and i've man, from the time that i was in bible college till now i've met people and know people that understand the word and know the word but they don't apply the wisdom of god in the word and so all they do is know it and that's great don't misunderstand what i'm saying but what god wants us to do is then apply it through wisdom into our life because that's where it really accomplishes wisdom teaches you the value it teaches you to value and to strive for the treasure of gaining a living understanding of God. Let me say that again. Wisdom teaches you to value and to strive for the treasure of gaining a living understanding of God. A living understanding of God. There are some people that have a, can I say it this way, dead understanding of God. They understand God, but it's dead in their life because they're not applying it in wisdom. Because the wisdom of God, and the revelation of God, those are the, some of the most valuable things you'll ever have in your life that's on earth. Matthew 6 and 20 says this, to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, how am I going to put anything here and lay up anything here in heaven? Because there's going to be this huge transformation from when we leave here, we're not taking anything with us. So what does that mean, laying up? When you when you? Research that, you find out it's through the wisdoms of God that you learn to put things. It's kind of like, it's an easy story. You know the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius was a devout man. He gave alms to the people. He prayed to God always. Cornelius was a Gentile that knew nothing about the Jewish God. All he knew is that there was a God, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give to alms to people and help them, and I'm going to pray to this God. Because he did that, God spoke to him and said, listen, because you've done this, your prayers have gone up as a memorial before me. I can't ignore these now, so I'm going to send somebody to you to tell you what to do. And, of course, he sent Peter, and Peter told him what to do. And so, so we have to understand that laying up treasures here is kind of like that same thing. There's things that we do in the wisdom of God that are going to, when we get on the other side, it's, can we say it this way? We, we've you've heard this before. We're practicing right now for what's coming on the on the other side, because we're not going to all stand around, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya for eternity. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of what we were taught when I was a kid. You know, we're just uh, and there's nothing wrong if we do. If we sing, uh, you know, Hallelujah for a million years, nothing wrong with that. But that's not what's going to happen on the other side, and and that's another deal. So, uh, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven which neither moth nor rust doth corrupt where thieves do not break through or steal these wisdoms that God gives you are things that cannot be taken away from you they cannot be taken away from you the treasure of the knowledge of God is eternal and when you get those they're eternal they're forever and these treasures are only found in the lord they're, they're not found anywhere else colossians 2 and 2 that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches a full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Understanding that they, there, there are mysteries. You've heard Bishop talk about the Mysterians. It's those, it's those things that, you know, Napoleon had those, and when he went out to war, he didn't tell any of his generals what we're going to do till they got there, because if he told them, they may be captured, or they, they may be really not on his side, and they may lay, lay the plans to the enemy. And so Napoleon had mysteries. He just never told anybody until they got on the field. And those are what the Bible calls mysteries. And it, and, and the thing about it is, is that's, that is the purpose of the wisdom of God is to introduce us to the mysteries or the mysteries of God. Finding God's wisdom calls you to search out these riches kind of like a treasure hunt. Finding these things are like a treasure hunt. Treasure hunts are, you know, if you've been, like we talked a little earlier, Actual physical treasure hunts are engrossed with with finding the treasure, right? Did you see recently where the guy uh, off the coast? Uh, let's see, it was off the coast of South Carolina that found that treasure. Uh, it was just it was gold, it was bullion, it was all kinds of stuff. And uh, so all <laughs> this this has actually been going on for a few years, but the, the, now they can't find the guy. So he had investors that had invested money and to his treasure finding, and they were to get a percentage. And then he took out loans and all kinds of stuff to get money to do the, So when he finds all the treasure, now they can't find the treasure, and they can't find him because <laughs> he don't want to pay anybody off. He don't wanna, but he did find the treasure. Well, that you know, that's not the kind of treasure. But he, he invested everything he possibly could. And I'm not telling you to deceive people because we don't, we don't deceive people in the kingdom that's not part of what we do but but treasure hunting there's it's all engrossed about the treasure you know the treasure hunters will go to all ends and all means and all ways to find this treasure treasure hunters spent this vast amount of time you know now they're using sonars and all kinds of stuff to find all of these wrecks that you know they go anywhere from the the Galveston and Corpus area all the way up to New England they search this whole Trying to find these wrecks with all this gold, so they spent all this time get find the locations where the treasure might be. Then they employ these huge amounts of labor to find the prize. Here's what the Bible says about that in Matthew 13 and 44. Again, Jesus always talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and he always pinned a parable to it. Have you ever noticed that? He always pinned a parable to it. He didn't tell us exactly what the kingdom was. Paul talked about it in Romans, what the kingdom was. Jesus never did. He said it's like. Why would he do that? It's to get us to be treasure hunters, to to seek after what he's talking about. So Matthew 13 44, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man hath found, he hid it, and for great joy, therefore he goeth and selleth all that he had, and he buys the field. That that now so so number one he's in somebody else's field. He's not in his own field. He's in somebody else's field. It doesn't really say he's out there hunting treasure. It just says he finds one, and so you have to understand that part of the idealism here of Jesus's parable is that Jesus gave his life to buy the field, and the field is us. This is this is the point of the of the uh, parable. We are to sell or we are to give up all to purchase the eternal uh, realities of knowing God. That's the crux of it. But when you dig deeper into it, you find that the kingdom of heaven and knowing the king is actually the treasure. The kingdom itself and knowing the king is actually the treasure. Oftentimes when we're looking for treasure, we're looking for something that we're going to gain, right? Something we're going to possess, something we're going to have. Well, the real treasure is knowing God, knowing the king, and the real treasure is actually being part of the kingdom of God. You know, we're inheritors of this kingdom. 1 Corinthians two fourteen through 16, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. So if you're living in the natural, you can't receive the things of the spirit. It doesn't work. For their f- foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That word discern, anacrino, is scrutinized, investigated, interrogated, determined, and judged. So that's what discernment is. When you look at discernment, we've talked about discernment of spirits before. Discernment of spirits are when you scrutinize, investigate, interrogate, determine, and judge the spirit. That's how you discern spirits. A lot of people, you know, when they talk about the gift of a discernment, understand that it comes from a wisdom. It comes from a wisdom. That gift comes by you knowing. You, that means that you've studied Scripture, you've understood Scripture, you've studied Word, you understand Word. And so that discernment, that gift of discernment is applying this. How do you scrutinize something? You've got to have a base to understand how to scrutinize. If 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 there's an if if there's a a particular television, man, I'd really like to have that television. I'd really like to. You got to discern what it can and can't do. It may it may not have HD quality at all. You may only get four channels. You got to discern. So how do you discern what that TV does? Need the manual. You know, if you go into Walmart. They give you the ability to discern the TVs. You know what they do? Yeah. They put them up there and let you test them. Try the spirits to see they be of God. That word try means to test. See, understand that discernment is not this magical thing that comes to you that if you haven't invested in, you, everything you invest in God. You know, Have you ever wondered why certain people have gifts to the Spirit? And certain? Because the Spirit gives them, the Spirit gives all gifts to the Spirit, as he wills it depends on the situation and so there's there's a point to understand that that you have an investment and we just read that the natural man can't receive the things of the spirit they're foolish to him so let me me keep reading so but he that is spiritual judges all things so what does that mean to be spiritual Because some of us think it's if you shout in the church that you're spiritual. If you ran the aisles, you're spiritual. (laughs) But what does it mean to be spiritual? Because we're talking about it. Say again? Being led by the Spirit makes you spiritual. There's wisdom in Revelation. Wisdom in Revelation. Paul prayed for that for the church. The wisdom in Revelation, that's how... That's how, when you're led by the Spirit, you know, the group we came from, there's kind of a misunderstanding that you didn't have to know anything about Jesus. As long as you had the Holy Ghost, then God God was going to use you and tell you everything you needed to know. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. Yeah, you you have to consume the Word, you have to dip, dip, and the more you do, the, the more discernment you'll have, the more any gift of the Spirit that God would want to use you in, He will use you in. But th- you've got to be involved. Uh, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? So who has known God's mind that he would instruct him? No one. But we have the mind of Christ. If you're spiritual, you have the mind of Christ. So the the key here is, what is the mind of Christ? What does that mean? Well, the Greek word for mind, nous, N-O-U-S, it means intellect, thought, feeling, will, and meaning. So if you have the intellect, the thought, the feeling and will and meaning of Christ, then you have the mind of Christ. How do you have the intellect of Jesus Christ? Words. why he gave us his word. How, how do you have the thought of Jesus Christ? Right here, right here. Feeling. It goes back. It goes all back to. So our treasure hunt is where. There are a lot of treasure hunters that are hunting in the wrong. You ever seen a treasure map? There's something on a treasure map on every treasure map that you've ever seen. Big X on it. X marks the. That's where the treasure is. If you can follow the clues, you can get to the. And so X marks the spot. That's where the treasure is. That's where you dig. Uh, the hidden treasures of God are hidden to the natural. God doesn't hide himself from us, but he does hide himself from those who are in the natural. See, so the par- part of understanding this treasure hunt that we're talking about is that the more you dig here to find the treasure, the more you understand. That's, I mean, this really, I hate to keep saying common sense because I've used it before and i offended people. Because common sense got real expensive. When I was a kid, common sense was cheap. Everybody had it, but apparently it's gotten real expensive because there's not a lot of people buying it now. So apparently it's out there. So it takes being a spiritual person, the one who follows after the Spirit, to discover the treasures. You know what the Spirit is on the map? you got the big X. That's where it's located. But you know what the Spirit is on the map? On treasure maps, what do you see? This trail of dotted lines that leads you to all these clues that takes you to the treasure, and that's what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost leads and guides you into all truth. That's what the Holy Ghost is on this treasure map, to get you to that point of understanding. Uh, So, (laughs) do you ever wonder why there's a lot of understanding in Christianity, or misunderstanding in Christianity? Because we all got the treasure map. We've all got the same treasure map. So, are we, are we following the dots? Are we following after the Spirit? And are we looking and digging where the X is? That, that's, the key to under, that's the key to wisdom and revelation in God. You know, I've had people come to me since I've been here. There's nobody in this room right now that received a new revelation from God that is totally different than anything in Christianity. Yeah, I'm not telling you who it is. Yeah, I've got a new revelation that I received. Really, okay, where'd you get that revelation? Well, I was thinking, okay. What were you thinking? Were you, you know, okay, you give me some scriptural. Well, this just makes common sense. This makes perfect sense. And then they go off on this because this, 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 and this. You know, human ingenuity really throws things out of kilter because we, we common sense, human-wise, God right out of Scripture. It's only when we follow spirit that God stays in Scripture for us. So here's the deal. You've got to change your thinking or your mind in order to enter the kingdom of God. When you came into the kingdom of God, you had to change your thinking. That's how you got there. You had to change your thinking and your mind to receive revelation from the king. You can't continue to think the old way and receive revelation. That's another reason we go treasure hunting. Treasure hunting. I know this is simple stuff, but unlike much of what is being taught today, you must count the cost to. Y'all, let me stop right here. Y'all realize that we give different altar calls than Jesus ever gave? When we give an altar call, and that's, just, that's the pastor. I'm putting it on the pastor. When we give an altar call, if you need something from God, come to the altar. If you need to pray, come to the altar. If, you know, if you, if you want to receive the Holy Ghost and be baptized, come to the altar. We're going to do all this stuff. Jesus never did that. You know what Jesus' altar call was? Stop, 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 stop. First, you've got to count the cost of whether or not you'd want to do this. Man, if I gave that altar call next week, <laughs> nobody would come up. Because we don't do we really count the cost? Did you count the cost when you became a Christian? Because it's this is a costly. If this hasn't cost you anything, now I'm not talking about your salvation. But if this hasn't cost you anything, you may need to take a good little look at it. Because Jesus said, Count the cost. It's important that you understand what you're getting yourself into because, you know, the mom brought her sons and said, hey, they, one, one side, one on the other. And she said, and Jesus basically said, listen, you don't understand what you're asking. You, you haven't counted the cost. Can, can they be baptized with the same baptism as me? Are they going to be able to go through what I go through? That's the cost. You need to count this cost before you ask this question. And it's the same thing with us living for God. And it's not that it's hard. It's understanding what it is. It's understanding what the cost. that's why you count the cost. It's not that the cost is hard. It's that you've got to count the cost to understand what it is. That's part of treasure hunting. that's part of understanding what we're looking at. So uh, you've got to count the cost to obtain the treasure and be willing to give up everything to have it. This guy, when he was out in somebody else's field, found a treasure. And he was happy with what he found. So what did he do? First thing he did was what? He hid the treasure. He hid the treasure. That's kind of odd, isn't it? You know why he hid the treasure? Yep. He knows where it's at. He knows where it's found. He's not in his own field. He's in somebody else's field. Somebody else that owns that field may find out where he's been digging. So he hid it. He went to that guy and said, hey, man, I was walking your field. I like this field. I'd like to buy it. Well, man, I, I don't want to sell it. I, yeah, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for it. Uh, no, no I, I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars for it. Really? Yeah. Uh, how about a million? Absolutely. Whatever the cost was, he paid it. He bought that field. He wanted that field because he knew the treasure. And that's the thing about that's the same thing about counting the cost of living for God. You understand? Yeah, you know, there's a cost, you got, but, but understand the treasure is far more exceeding above the cost of that field, whatever the cost is. What the Scripture says is that we have to be willing to give up everything. It doesn't say we have to give up everything. We have to be willing, and that's what God's looking for in a treasure hunter, just being willing. You know, a lot of people walk away from God because they think he's asking too much. All he's asking for is willing. Willing. That's the huge cost. Willing means what? Willing means I am willing to give up my will. If you're willing to do something, you're willing to give up your will in order to do that thing. Now, it could be part of what you want to do. It could be directly opposite of what you want to do. You still just have to be willing. It doesn't mean that you have to do it, though. Just be willing. That's the power of the spirit of revelation and wisdom, being willing. That's the power that's in it. And once, you know, once you ever taste a little bit of the treasure, once you ever get, you know, when, treasure hunters don't find a little treasure and they wow, wow, praise the Lord, I'm done. You know what they do? They start their next deal. They're after another treasure. And all you got to do is get a little bit of this treasure here, and it'll ruin you for everything else. There's nothing else any better than this treasure. I'm going to guess, this is a guess, this is 1st Don 5 and 7, that this dude walked in this field and found this treasure and went and bought the place and got the treasure, that he started walking around other people's fields too. You know what, if there was a treasure in this field, there could be a treasure in every field around this place. I'm going to walk every field till I see if I can find it. If that's the attitude we will get, that listen, there are treasures everywhere in the field. we got to be willing to just Follow the dot, follow the spirit, find the X, and dig there. It's interesting. Listen, Jesus wants the church. He wants a church that will respond to the spirit of revelation and wisdom. Jesus wants the church to respond. He wants us to respond, to not have, what, not have it, but respond to it. It's one thing to have. It's another thing to respond because the respond is an opposite action of what you just received. It's not like receiving a Christmas gift. And here you go, here. Grandma comes up and gives their grandson a Christmas gift. And the Christmas gift, the kid stands there, never opens it, never says, Thank you, Grandma. Just holds the Christmas gift. No response. What's the response? You tear that thing open, thanking grandma the whole time. That's what I wanted. Been wanting it all year and it's the same thing when we respond to the spirit of revelation we have to respond to what things the revelation of what god shows us and then apply the wisdom of it into our life choose to be willing to sacrifice everything to embrace the kingdom be willing i want to keep saying that be willing it's interesting that jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to a hidden treasure in a field you wouldn't think you know he he wouldn't be hiding but why is this treasure hidden it was hidden originally The dude went and found it and went and hid it somewhere else, but it was a hidden treasure before he found it. So he finds this hidden treasure. Proverbs 2 and 25 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So it's the glory of God to conceal something. Proverbs 2, 25. The glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Okay, maybe I wrote. This is the second time I've done this. I'm reading somewhere else. I'll find it and get you the right verse. Here's what the Scripture says. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. That's His glory. He's concealed it. He's hid it. But the glory of kings to search it out, to find it. God wants voluntary treasure hunters. Don't treasure hunt because you have to. he wants you to volunteer to treasure hunt that will take what do whatever it takes to acquire the treasure. Listen, just like you don't want a passive God in your life right you don't twenty five two I reversed it thank you twenty five two Man, I'm getting dyslexic in my old okay. <laughs> No one wants a passive God in their life, do they? Right? Well, God doesn't want a passive follower either. God doesn't want a passive follower either. He wants treasure hunters. That's what God wants. Wholehearted people who are hungry for him that want to be transformed by him. And how is that? We treasure hunt. That's how you're transformed. You're treasure hunting in the Word all the time. Treasure after treasure Too many people want to transform God into their image, though. (laughs) that's, That's a problem in Christianity today. Rather than letting God transform them, they want to transform God. God is my this and God is my that, and it fits my situation. God's not my this because that's not part of my situation. But we want God to transform. God uses the seeking and searching. Why would God want us to seek? Why wouldn't God just spill it out there for us? Wouldn't it be great if he just put out all of his wisdom, all of his revelation, threw everything out for us? Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Man. Yeah, no relationship. Yeah. If it's given to you, no value. You find no value in it. When you have to work for it, I bought my first car. It was a 1966 Ford Fairlane. It was midnight blue. It had light blue interior. It had had, cut, had caps on it that on the the left side, at the bottom, uh, the, the little emblem, the Ford emblem, it had a rust spot on it. I knew everything about that car because I was the one who bought it. And I kept that little 1966 car in spick and span condition. Even though it was a 1966, it was spick and span. It was waxed every week change the oil every, like, 2,000 miles instead of 5 or 10, because I bought it. You know what? If had my dad bought it, my mom bought it, it would probably been in the junkyard after a few, you know, because the value, there's value. God, and the reason that God has us seeks and to search, it purifies us. When we seek and search, it's purifying us. Think about that. When you're searching treasure out of the Scripture, it's actually purifying. You're finding, you ever, you ever been reading something, find something totally different than what you're looking for? Wow, I never saw that before. And so you get completely off your study and on that because, well, that that was that hidden treasure God intended for you to find. And in that, that's when you become purified, just like gold be purified in a fire. And and you're purified so that God can so that you can receive the word that God's given you. If you're not purified, you can't receive what God needs to give you. That's why we are all in different stages, if you will, of Christianity, is we're in different purification arenas. We're in different purification. And as we're purified, the more we're purified, the more we're purified by fire, the more we're purified by study, the the more we begin to understand. Through your seeking and searching, you will be changed as a person. No preacher's going to change you. Mom and dad's not going to change you. You, That's what changes you. You're you're seeking and you're searching. You'll be changed as a person, and that's when you you ever wanted to know the deep things of God? You ever wonder what the hinder parts of God are about? Moses saw the hinder parts of God. Wait a minute. God God has no hinder, no front, no up, no down. What does that mean? The hinder parts of God. Creation. How can I say this and not get you to laugh? Right now, what do you see of me? front you don't see what but it's it exists it exists and it's there it's the same thing with God there are things that we don't see in God that Moses got to see in God and there are things that we God wants us to see in him that we have not yet seen he wants us to see the hinder parts he wants us to the Bible calls them deep things another place in the Bible the deep things of God or the hinder parts of God are the same thing the deep things of God, those places in God. What do you think when you think of deep? Ocean. Yeah, depths of the ocean are like, well, you know what what we've discovered, what, 3%, maybe 4% of what's in our ocean? And there's a lot of discovering to be left. How much of God have we really discovered? How deep have we really gone? Because it's not that God wants to hide it from us. He wants us to be treasure hunters. If we're seeking, if we're searching for it, we'll find it. But we have to be purified in our search. We have to, you know, there are some things God's never going to show us because we can't, we can't get it, we can't understand it. But that doesn't mean we stop searching for treasure, right? That means we keep in our own lives, keep searching for those things. So, it's it's when you seek and when you really search that you find those deep things. God can then entrust them to you. There are things when you first came into the church, God didn't entrust you with. In Scripture, you were too young; you were a babe. But as you grew and as you studied, Jesus taught his disciples that when you earnestly prayed, that's when you encounter a different side of God than you all are, you know right now. There's a power in that earnest prayer. There's supplication. You read in Scripture supplication. You know it's an earnest prayer, and there's a power in that because in that supplication, you learn. About a God you really did, thought you knew, but there's more to know. Actually, they would encounter a God who actually seems like He's resisting them. See, when you're when you come to a place where you're searching and you get to the de- depths of God, it feels like He's resisting you. But that's not what's going on. He's not resisting you. What he's doing? He's provoking you to search deeper, and search longer and harder. See. God wants us to be provoked so that we find answers. But what would happen if we didn't find the answer? Have you ever? I've got a situation in my life. I've searched out God. God's provoking me to find it. I can't find it. Do we quit and give up? Are we offended that God won't show us? I know a guy right now. He's not on speaking terms with God. He's offended that God hadn't fixed his problem. If anything, I would want to be on talking terms with God because he's the only one that can fix it. But but this is what happens. Would you become angry and want to blame God or would you just go treasure hunting? You know, when situations come into your life, the thing to do is to start treasure hunting. Would you continue to dig deep and find the revelation and wisdom because revelation and wisdom aren't shallow things. They're not shallow. Revelation for your life and the wisdom for your life are not shallow. They're deep. You know, just like your children. Just If we can put this into the children, I'm, I'm about done. Put, put this into your children's perspective. There are things that need to be revealed to your child, and there are wisdoms that they need to know that they're never going to get at three years old. But at 15, they should, there's some wisdoms they ought to understand. And there's some revelations they ought to understand. And at 20, it's even deeper. And, and if there's not, there's a problem with that person. Or there's a problem with the person not teaching. Now, we don't have a problem with God. He'll always teach. So we just have to understand that as we go grow in God, as we get older in God, the, the idea of God is not to be passive, but to st- keep digging and keep digging. Dig for that deep treasure. You know what the Bible calls this? And this is what I'm going to end with the kingdom of god suffereth violence and the violent take it by force that's what that term means what we're talking about treasure hunting continuing to seek god's face no matter what the, what the circumstance is that's the violence in the kingdom of so we think of violence as physical but you look up that when you go home look up at the word violence or look on your phone the kingdom of god suffereth violence that, but violence is is that, you know what, I'm, it's that I'm going for it, I'm, going, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to keep, that's what it's talking about, so continuing to seek God's face no matter what the circumstance, this is one of God's many ways to draw you into a deeper heart relationship with Him, it's this violence thing, it's treasure hunting, it's, it's there's an intimacy in it, it produces a greater hunger uh, to search for deep things, God's calling us to be treasure hunters, and so when, when, when he says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force, it simply means that we need to be treasure hunters. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't stop the fight. We don't stop the race. We keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. Okay, I'm one minute under. Anybody have any I was just saying, uh, when I when I think about what you were teaching uh, tonight, uh, about that, well, one of the things that stuck out was the willing part. Um, I definitely liked when you said uh, that we don't want a passive God, so Jesus doesn't want any passive followers. But that willing part, um, I always think about uh, the story of the rich young ruler, you know, because Jesus ne- never told him to, to, you know, that he had to, but uh, when he asked the question, what must I do to have eternal life? Well, you know, just... Go and give away all your things. And he walked away. Like, he never had a follow-up question. He never, you know, so was it really a desire to have eternal life? Or was he just that discouraged because he had so much? But Jesus could have said, you know, just come, come follow me and have that willingness, but he didn't. And so that's one yeah. of the first things that popped in, into my mind when I heard this. So I'm totally convinced in that. If that was a parable or if that was a true story, it doesn't matter. I'm totally convinced that, that if that guy would have said, hold on, Jesus, you'll give me a few minutes, I'll go sell everything and I'll give it, I think Jesus said, stop, come on, let's go. He'd have never had to do any of that. He was just looking for the willing heart. That's all. He, I'm convinced of that. he just okay, good, good, know where your heart is. That's all, that's all I wanted to know here because that's what Jesus was looking for in that situation, want to know where the heart was. Because and, and In all of our situations of life, that's what God's looking for. And therein comes the revelation and wisdom. When he finds out where your heart is, he can reveal more revelation and more wisdom. You can get into deeper things. Follow the little dots. That's the Spirit. Follow after the Spirit. Find the X. That's the word. And dig. Thank you all. You all kind. Attentive. See you all Sunday.